eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? Okay, um, can I complain about something? I think people love it my age. Oh God, this yes, old, man, old, old man complaining at 27. I don't like curbside pickup. I don't know, do you? I'm, I love curbside pickup because that's how I get my groceries. Okay, that's what I hate it for. I don't know what it is. The, we put in bananas, like one order of bananas. They mm-hmm. double bagged one banana. <laughs> they use so many bags too. It's they like, do. I do not need. I do not need like two bags for each item. <laughs> I've got like sixty bags stacked into each other. I don't know. I like the old fashioned just going to the grocery store. Welcome to a football podcast. No, 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 no. I am not. Oh, I, I, I so much prefer. They'll tell you they couldn't find something. And I'm just like, I know it's in there. I get that all the time. That's why I love, I pay like $9 extra a month so I can get oh. my groceries either delivered or I can just pick I them up. I would not be, I would not be as upset if they were delivered. It's something about driving out there still, waiting. I usually, I've heard the horror stories about people waiting for like an extremely long time. That only happened once to me. So that's not the worst part. Uh, but just like, there's always some substitution. They're like, oh, we didn't know. We couldn't find this. It's like, I know it's in there. You just don't know where you're looking. That's <laughs> uh, an old man complaint. I don't know. Uh, the, the, uh, the boomers agree with me. I'm clashing against my millennial and uh, the Gen Z people here. <laughs> But I just don't, I don't know. I, I know people don't like going in the store. I kind of do. It's just, I, I feel like I know where things are and I actually get what I want. And I'm not, uh, I'm not at the whim of, uh, it's so many bags. It's so many bags. And like, what is the comment? Did they pull the banana off of like a group of bananas? 
if anybody's a grocery store worker, can you tell me what happens when I put one banana into the thing? Like there has to be common sense of like, oh, they mean like one bundle of bananas. Not I'm going to double bag one banana for you. They just want to make sure you get your banana. And um, okay. Are, Mike's two Mike people in the house. Mike likes to go to the grocery store. I, I just, you are, you are, that is not me. That is not me. I am, I am, I will sit in my car every day. I will tip you. I will go down there and get my groceries. I will, I just, I don't like going to the grocery store. But you know what I do? Yeah, let us, oh, I was just going to say, let us know who you agree with, me or Lindsay. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, there are people out there. There are people out there on Sunday or Saturday mornings. They're going to the grocery store. They have a routine. And I'm not that. Oh, girl. God, that is me. Yeah, I go to the gym and then I go to the grocery store all sweaty. <laughs> nope. Nope. Definitely not me. Um, I'm like a late Sunday afternoon, Monday morning. They're going to be delivered. That's the beauty of working from home. But uh, but you know what? I, you know what I do like? You know what I really do like? When Joe Burrow is a full participant in oh. practice. No I sleeve on the cat. No, no sleeve. We're taking it. We're taking it easy. But I will say this. Obviously, it's a short turnaround. I don't put too much into yesterday because it was a walkthrough, but today was a practice. There were a couple things actually in the last 24 hours that stand out for me when it comes to Joe Burrow. You mentioned it. There was no sleep on the cap. He goes full because I told you on this podcast and I'm wrong. So I'm going to say, hey, I'm wrong on here. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Burrow is limited for a majority of the season during the week, at least until the cap is fully healthy and back to 100% just because they want to manage the cap. Him going full, there's no sleeve on there. I feel like that's encouraging. But if you listen to Joe Burrow's press conference on Wednesday, it was actually in the evening. It was really encouraging to just kind of hear he he had mentioned that he reached out to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, um, I know a lot of people want to compare what happened with Aaron Rodgers and his calf injury, but Aaron actually played through a calf injury before. So he just kind of wanted to get his advice on it. And I thought that that was really encouraging hearing Aaron Rodgers talk about Joe Burrow and, you know, what he's probably dealing with when he's out there and just kind of giving him some words of advice and just Joe in general talking about the calf injury. And it just, I don't know, it felt pretty encouraging because one of the things Joe, when he's been asked about the calf injury over the last few weeks, he'll tell you I have good days and bad days. And he said, I feel pretty good. I was sore the day after, but you know, you have that after games and hearing him say, I feel good right now is great news after Monday night. Yeah. Um, man, it's, what is good though? You know, like, does this mean he's going to look closer to where he was in weeks one and two, week two? Does this mean somehow he is beyond weeks one and week two? Does this mean he's just a little bit better than last week? I don't know. There's so many questions. It's a short week. And I didn't think about that too much until I was doing my writing. I was like, man, this thing, it sucks to release something on last week's game on Thursday, but I just, that's how it worked. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it means. And I don't know what the no sleeve on the calf means. Like, does that mean it's better? Or does really that just mean like uh, he wasn't really wearing a sleeve the last, this, the last couple of weeks before he played week one? I don't, or not the last couple of weeks, the week before he played week one, I don't think. No. So, yeah, it probably doesn't. None of this means he's like near 100%. Um, but I'll take any improvement over what we had last week. Not that he was terrible. It just clearly, to me, limited him. Um, and I think, I mean, I think it was obvious, although I guess Jamar Chase disagreed, <laughs> which we yeah. could talk a little bit about. But it's cool. He, he looks like he's doing better. So mm -hmm. I think we just take it one step at a time. Better is better. And 
if this team could beat the Rams with him at like 45% or so, <laughs> then they can beat a lot of teams. Cause I think that Rams team, they're not bad. I know there's some preseason stigma about them. Like how many of these guys can you name? And like, probably not many, but <laughs> uh, they're just, they're playing well. Like the quarterback's good. They've still got Aaron Donald. I mean, they got some solid players in there too. I, I think with the calf, as long as, what what's encouraging i think for fans is as long as there's no setbacks every week joe burrow i would think his calf is getting better obviously we're not doctors we will say that on here um but you would think if there's no setbacks every week is good it feels like a positive uh, we'll see what that looks like for this tennessee team and and we'll get into kind of a preview and, and prediction obviously with this um short turnaround for the cincinnati Bengals. but uh, you mentioned jamar chase and even brian callahan talked about it this week the offense, they don't want anybody's excuses. Um, I know we, we've talked plenty about Joe Burrow, and obviously it's a little different when you're dealing with the calf injury, but even Brian Callahan said, you know, we can't use that as a crutch. There's things that we have to get better with on the offensive side of the ball, and even Jamar Chase spoke on it uh, probably about a couple hours before we started recording this podcast. So, you know, what were some of your takeaways from that? Because me personally, I think it means a lot of things. A lot of people, when they talked about the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, they would say, well, he has his weapon. That's why Joe Burrow is good. But you can also tell if Joe isn't at 100% or even 90%, the offense needs Joe to, to pretty much function. They were able to get the win. They were able to, you know, obviously Joe Mixon scored a touchdown, but Jamar Chase still hasn't scored a touchdown. Um, you know, T, T Higgins had a couple drops in that game. But overall, I personally feel this offense functions when Joe Burrow functions, when we see a little mobile Joe Burrow, the the OG Joe Burrow, we're not really getting to see that over the last few weeks, which makes sense. I want them to be cautious when he's out there. But uh, what did you kind of take away from Jamar Chase and, and kind of Brian, Brian Callahan talking about that on the offensive side? They're, they're football people. They're not going to like make any excuses for anything. They want to be an awesome offense. And is it an excuse or is it adding context or is it explaining why you don't think that something is working? Because you could always you could always point to well we didn't execute which is always true to some level even when you're winning and you're doing really well there's probably a guy in there that didn't execute to where you need him to be um, and you just worked around it because you have awesome players that happens all the time and uh, I just think they 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 don't want to make an excuse for this they're like oh we're still gonna be great you know we just it's the way defenses are playing. That's why we're not having explosive plays. It's it's this, it's that. It has nothing to do with the injury. I I still think I feel pretty confident saying the injury is having an, a big effect on everything. It's not just that he's not mobile. It's that he's kind of not driving off his back foot. That's not to say he can't throw deep balls. He's strong enough that his upper body and his shift of weight, and maybe he'll be able to drive off it a little more because I thought he was able to drive off of it week one and week two. It was just the mobility that was really hampered and a little bit of the accuracy, especially week two. Week one, you almost just threw out because of the rain. Uh, but this past week, yeah, the, the mechanics look wonky. And Joe Burrow is a guy that I think in 2022, you could kind of put on to show young quarterbacks like, hey, this is what you do want, I want you to do with your footwork. This is how I want you to move within the pocket. And now that's both taken away because he's got the injury to his calf and it's kind of affecting his accuracy, which is probably his greatest strength and his pocket movement, which is arguably his second best strength. Now you could also argue his processing's up there. And that's why this kind of, it's a better version, but it does 
a tiny bit remind me of that late stage Peyton Manning Broncos because it's kind of like smart quarterback, but he's not fully functional because of an injury, a defense that's doing well this past week did really well. And, you know, they're able to work together to manage some wins. Um, this is, this is better than the Peyton Manning that got benched for Brock Osweiler. I'm not saying Joe Burrow is that bad. <clears throat> it's kind of like a better variation of that offense, a worse version of the defense. I mean, Look, it was a Hall of Fame coach with like three Hall of Fame level defenders and one of the greatest edge duos of all time. So the Bengals don't have that, but they the, it's a good defense, I think. And it's a better version of that offense. And the offense is just going to keep getting better as Burrow gets more healthy. I think that's another key point to remember with this as well. It, I'm comparing a little bit to that 2015 Broncos, which they won a Super Bowl. So don't mm-hmm. take it too <laughs> I think it's different, but it it just has that slight reminiscent of Peyton Manning would get him into the right play. And I think Burrow is getting them into the right play. Now, can he always execute it to the best of his ability right now? No, but it's not as limited as Peyton was that year. It's more like, yeah, he can't drive the ball here or he can't um, throw this ball accurately, but he's not having like six interception and I don't expect no. him to have a six interception game because that would happen just because Peyton's arm was so shot and he was still kind of trying some of those throws once in a while. Um, yeah. that That's kind of my quick takeaway because this offense wants to be that Broncos uh, Peyton Manning offense, I think. Yeah. And, and Joe, you know, the, what could have been with honest, not, not even the Ravens interception, but the one was just a great play by the the Rams defense. Uh, that one he threw, and it, who knows if they would have been able to to get a drive going there. I mean, they were on the other side of the end zone, so or the other side of the field. So, um, I I just I I think what if if Joe is feeling better, we'll see more out of the offense in this game. Um, you know, what does that look like for T Higgins, who normally is a Tennessee Titans kind of guy? That's when he lights up, and we'll see what we'll see what that looks like in the wide receiver room overall with the offense. But you do want to see more from your offense. Um, I know we've talked about Joe's calf a lot but you want to see more out of your playmakers and, you know, what does that look like on the ground? Does Joe Mixon run it? They still don't really feel like they have a running back number two. Um, And that's a little concerning for me, how optimistic I am when it comes to the running game, but not having a running back two with Smaj P Ryan not here anymore. uh, That is something that I'm getting a little concerned about, to be completely honest. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, they're playing Travion Williams a little bit. And Jace Brown gets a snap here and there. Uh, was Chris Evans healthy in the last game? He was, I don't recall seeing him. I thought he was inactive. Yeah, he was inactive. Okay. We'll see if he gets any more snaps because he was the one that looked better in week one between him and Travion. And then Chase Brown, his one carry in week two – was not ideal. I think it kind of just showed he's still a rookie trying to adjust the NFL. Um, Joe Mix is playing great. Mm-hmm. 
but he does need breaks. So it, you need to find that guy somewhere. Is it Travion on these third downs and two minute drills? You know what it could actually be is also they are getting to oh one personnel, so no back on the field, but a tight end. And they had Drew Sample lined up in the backfield on like third and long. And I actually really like that. I think I think this is the opportunity with these receiving tight ends have hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's been so, small sample size. They can still turn around. But in my mind, I'm kind of cl- – <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever really say this. I'm kind of clamoring for more Drew Sample. Same. <laughs> yeah, because he's doing – like – if we're not going to get great receiving, which we got that seam ball to Tanner Hudson, and he had a couple plays in that game that were nice. Irv Smith, in theory, is still you know a quality investment and somebody to throw to. I don't think we should throw him out yet. Um, and Mitch Wilcox is there. Uh, but Drew Sample, I was really happy with his blocking. And that's obviously that's what he's been known for, second-round blocking tight end. Throw away the second-round draft capital. And you have a positive asset here. It's not the sexiest thing, but his ability to block edge defenders, not just linebackers or like the other guys are pretty much able to block, you know, nickel corners and safeties in space. He can actually line up in line and block these guys. So he adds to the run game. I think all of the best runs had him on the field. And then he could be a good personal protector on third and long in the shotgun or even third and medium because they're throwing the ball. They're not running it on third and medium in most cases. Just put them in there. They know you're passing anyway. Like who cares if it's a tell, you know, they know you're passing. And then even if you want to do like a very simple, let's check and see when 89 is on the field, like what are they doing? It'll probably be fairly even on run pass, even though, you know, it'll probably be majority run early downs with him and then pass later downs because they're, if he's on the field in later downs, it's going to be a pass because he's there to, well, I guess on third and short, you could still use him as a, as a blocker. So I'm, I'm into the idea of using him more. They went to a little bit more 12 personnel in this past game. And I kind of liked it. Before we get to some of the Twitter questions, I do want to preview this matchup. We'll get to our prediction late in the podcast. But when you look at this game, I think Zach Taylor brings up a good point. I heard Ted Karras say it and some of the other guys in the locker room over the last few days. The Tennessee Titans remind them of an AFC North team just because they're big and physical when you think of this matchup. And it really feels like they see each other enough. You get your regular season matchup. They obviously are familiar with what happened in the divisional round. And Tennessee probably has the Cincinnati Bengals circled every time they they play them because they're trying to get that get-back game. But overall, when you look at this matchup, what do you think for both sides of the ball? Okay. Uh, I guess we'll start Bengals offense. I don't think they're going to run the ball well this week. Mm-hmm. I just, this Titans defense is strong up front. I have, oh, Let me real quick as I'm talking, I'm going to look up their injury report um, just so I don't mention players that are going to like miss this game or uh, any type of issue there. But um, they're stout up front and they have been the past few years. When you mentioned AFC North team, that's, twofold to me that's uh one they're tough up front and two they run the ball but tough up front and stop the run that's kind of like what they do stop the run and try to run the ball and that is a very afc north team so yeah uh i wanted to check Danico autry because he misses some time he does in a while uh he was limited practice on thursday if he plays really good player i think one of the more underrated players in the league um people are 
and Jeff Simmons, Jeffrey Simmons, yes. he's the he's the best player on this defensive line. But I don't think Autry is that far behind. Like I think yes. he's really good. Um, and you could make the case that in the divisional round, he was just as good as Simmons. I think he was a dominant force. He plays outside and inside, usually tight to the tackle if he's outside. I consider him kind of a, a more of a defensive tackle than an edge rusher. Um especially when you think edge rusher, <laughs> because yeah, he's uh, if he's out there, he's not lining up real wide and trying to run that way, but he's really strong. I think he's the key factor for this game. If he plays Taylor Tart uh, did not practice Wednesday limited on Thursday. He's a pretty good defensive tackle as well. They got just a whole bunch of dudes that are pretty good, strong, powerful defensive tackles. And then their edge guys like Harold Landry, who, has an injury, but he was a full participant this week, so I expect him to play. And oh man, can't think of who their other edge player is right now. It was Bud Dupree, but he's in Atlanta now. But anyway, like these guys are just all stout. They're all strong. That's why they stop the run really well. Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry are pretty good pass rushers, but I do think that is one area of they don't have. They sacked the Bengals nine times, so I gotta calm down a little bit. PTSD it, from that. I don't, but I don't consider those two to be like Aaron Donald, Chris Jones level pass rushers. I think they're right below, right below that, where they're probably like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. The Bengals will slide to them on every play, and they'll probably do that this week with Jeffrey Simmons slide to him every play. But those two will beat the slide so often it's ridiculous. And that's what happened to the Bengals and Aaron Donald this past week. They were trying to double team him a lot and he would just split it, go outside of it, go inside of it, kind of do whatever he wanted at times. Uh, not every time, but you know, most guys you slide to them and you're like, okay, well you're wasting a guy in pass protection because I'm taking two and then I'll win my, all my one-on-ones definitively. But those two, they're like, I'm going to win my one-on-ones. And I'm going to win my two-on-ones. So I don't see them that way. Q, Jeffrey Simmons probably dominating some double team. Always, <laughs> man, that this. guy. He's really good. He's really good. I thought the Bengals did a good job against them last year, though. Um, so if they could do that again. That was one of Cordell Wilson's better games, in my opinion. I thought he had a pretty good game, which could really use it after last week. Uh, then you look on the back end, and... Kevin Byard's a year older. He's a good safety, though, so don't want to discredit him. It's a huge mismatch at corner, though. I don't think we can avoid it. Christian Fulton, one of their outside corners, if he plays, he is currently allowing, and I'm not the biggest passer rating allowed guy, but when it's this bad, 158.3. Do you know what that is? The perfect passer rating. So on targets, he's allowing a perfect passer rating. So if there's any type of isolation coverage... It's not DJ Turner's yeah, number yeah, right, right now. Right, right, right. Uh, and then the other corner is has, I think, the shortest arms ever recorded in combine history, and T dunked on him a few times last year. So if you could get some type of matchup with T on that corner, I'm trying to think of his name. He went to Auburn. I scouted him, and I didn't love him just because of the arm. I thought he was like a really good football player. I was like, I just don't know if that size is going to work mm-hmm. in the NFL. And the other side, Christian Fulton, if you can get T on the smaller one and – chase on Fulton even if Burrow's not super accurate if he could put in those zip codes I think that could be the key to a big passing offensive day and they're gonna kind of need it because I just don't see them running that well like I mentioned and they're also missing David Long now I thought David Long was a good linebacker they added Aziz Al-Shair who was also kind of a David Long level linebacker in my mind so maybe it's not gonna be a big drop off or anything 
but yeah, really interested in that matchup. I'm hoping the Bengals can be fairly exciting on offense, at least more exciting than they were the past week. Uh, I think there's opportunities in the passing game if the quarterback is going to play a little bit better than he did. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, you need to see more out of this offense. I know, as I mentioned already in this podcast, it, it's Joe's calf. You, you got to take it easy. You got to protect Joe Burrow. But what does that look like when you have wide receivers in those matchups? You can get the ball to them. You can win those matchups, and that's extremely important. We'll get to the prediction of what we think that's going to look like in just a little bit, but I want to flip sides because Derrick Henry was pretty underwhelming versus the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns have a really good defense, uh, one of the best in the NFL right now. So obviously – that makes sense. But at the same time, last time they played the Tennessee Titans, I felt like they did a really good job with Derrick Henry. They did a good job when they were in the division round, but I know he was coming back from an injury at the time. What does that look like when it comes to stopping the run? Because I'm still concerned about the defense when it comes to stopping the run. What they've done the past two years is basically on early downs, kind of sell out to stop the run. And is that what they get to again this year? Maybe. Here's the difference. Their offensive line wasn't good last year, and it's worse this year. Their best offensive lineman is Peter Skaronsky, their rookie first-round pick. Did not practice Thursday, did not practice Wednesday. So that's trending poorly for them. So you're down your your best offensive lineman. Now your best offensive lineman might be Aaron Brewer, which I'm not sure how many people know who that is, but he's the center. Uh, Their left tackle has given up six sacks in three games. Now he faced Miles Garrett, but... That's a lot, and it's actually double the next highest offensive lineman and left tackle. That's who Trey Hendrickson lines up against every down. They don't switch sides, so you finally have a matchup where you're like, ah, man, I have these all the time where I'm like, man, that right tackle isn't good. Mostly I think about with the 49ers. 49ers have Trent Williams on the left side and then just some guy on the right side right now. And before that, it was McClinchy, and McClinchy's clearly worse than Trent Williams, no matter what you think of either player. Uh, and I'm just like, this could be the day that you just kind of flip them. And they just don't. They just don't flip them at all. It happens with the Raiders, too. If Colton Miller is a pretty good left tackle, and then they usually don't have a good right tackle, it's like, just flip, just put Trey against the bad guy. Uh this week, the bad guy comes to him. So sure, <laughs> let's let's do that. Dillard, Dillard uh, he was a draft crush for a lot of people. Um, he was supposed to be an athletic pass protector, but six sacks allowed. And I just have any trepidation with a guy that Jeff Stoutland in Philadelphia can't make work. So uh, when they signed him, you know, it's just he could turn around. He's got potential, but he he hasn't really shown much of it yet this year. And I just that just feels like such a it would be the third week in a row that I feel like Trey Hendrickson has a big mismatch. Now he took advantage of one of those and he didn't take advantage of the other. Mm-hmm. So we will we will see if he's able to do it. I have faith in him because I think stylistically, if Hendrickson does what I would do in this situation, if I had his ability, which is run through him every play and don't even mess with like trying to knock down the hands, which is how he killed Zach Thomas of the Rams is just like, I'm going to beat the hands every play and get around the outside with Dillard. I would go, I'm going to run through this guy 80% of the time. And then when he's not expecting it, I'll go inside or outside uh, just because I don't think he has a great anchor. Um, That's the big mismatch. So if you could stop them on early downs, they're run the ball outside zone duo stuff which they've done before. It's a little bit different defense, but they've done this quite a bit. If you can stop them on early downs and you get them in the third and longs, 
doesn't feel great for them. Just, you know, this is another mismatch for the Bengals defensive line, just like it was last week. And if you can force them into these third and long, these passing situations, second and long, third and medium, that's going to be tough. That's going to be real tough for them to overcome when it's an obvious passing down like that. When you think of the corners, when you think of the secondary, going against this wide receiver group, what do you think about that matchup? Let me check real quick. Traylon Burks was limited limited. practice to, oh, Tua did not practice on Thursday, though. He went downgraded. That's usually a bad sign for a young guy that's not on a veteran rest day. Uh, So DeAndre Hopkins, I think, can still play a little bit. Um, And I I think Ryan Tannehill's underrated for what it's worth. I think, I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he gets a little bit too much hate. Um, I'm not like a big Ryan Tannehill supporter. I just think he's probably in that like Derek Carr level of like, yeah, yeah this guy's, yeah, this guy's fine. Like you could, he went to an AFC championship game. It's not like you can't win with him, um, but he doesn't really have talent right now. Uh, De- DeAndre Hopkins, still a pretty good player. Not the DeAndre Hopkins of old, obviously, mm-hmm. but um who else is a wide receiver? Kite Westbrook Akine. That's that's one of the names. Uh, Chig Chig Akonkwo. He was really good last year. I don't think he's done too much this year so far. Uh, super athletic tight end. Um, and usually, if you're a good rookie tight end, you're a good tight end. So I kind of expect him to turn around a little bit. But they got Ty J Spears. I love Ty J Spears in the draft. I thought he was. He was one of my favorite. I think I had him as my fourth running back, and that was just size. If he was two twenty, he probably would have been my second running back. It's just like he was kind of like he, he's yeah. eating Wheaties just to get the like two hundred <laughs> type of situation. And he had a knee condition, which is another reason he fell a little bit in the draft. But I wanted the Bengals to take him just because he was a ball of excitement. He was fun. He was explosive. He could read run plays really well. Um, so I think that's a really good mesh with Derrick Henry if that can get going, but I just don't know if the offensive line will allow them to get going on the ground. And then when it comes through the air, I just – this Tennessee Titans offensive line is just bad enough that I'm not sure they can get much offense going in any way, even if I like some of the skill players and I like Tannehill more than some people. So that's kind of where I am is just like uh, – if it happens, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's just like – Derrick Henry is getting out in space, giving given some runways. Uh, the Bengals haven't done the best job on some trick plays. If the Titans can just kind of get one of those reverses, one of those reverse passes, flea flickers, something like that, you're the underdog in this matchup, even though you're at home. If you so, that's when I think the trick plays are important, and the Bengals haven't done a good job of stopping those this year. So, could they get a a free touchdown off of that. And then they do just enough on offense. I think that's their recipe. And you want to drag this team into the muck. I think you want to make this game short, which by that you're, you want as little drives as possible for the Bengals offense. You want the variance to go up and that's how the Titans I think should play. And I, I think Mike Vrabel's a really good head coach too. I think that's also worth stating. Yeah. So um, there's, there's, there's reasons that the Titans are an intimidating opponent. Um, But you have to – the offensive line is going to have to – out. they're going to have to play – it's not impossible because I don't want to just look at it on paper because the Bengals had the upper hand against the Ravens' offensive line too, and they didn't take advantage of that. Yeah. So could you get a Ravens-type performance from this Titans 
offensive line, maybe. And that I think would be their key to victory. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point, similar to what the Baltimore Ravens do. You you limit the Bengals' offensive possessions, and if they can do that, then it it is it's like deja vu again. Because I don't, I nothing surprises me in the NFL. There could be a team dealing with all the injuries. Oh, I mean, you know, the Cardinals I mean? just beat the Cowboys, and they've looked okay in all of their games. To be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. a lot of people thinking the Cardinals are going to tank. I'm like, no, they've been in every game pretty much. Well, hey, I really thought they were tanking when they went up like 28 nothing on the Giants and then blew that lead. I feel <laughs> I was like, was that one of those like, hey, this is to show we're better than you, but we still want Caleb Williams. <laughs> I mean, they they better start they better start uh, getting out of these games because they might get they might get themselves out of the Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams um, draft lottery. So we'll see what that looks like. But uh, we'll go ahead and get to some of the Twitter questions now before we get to our predictions when it comes to the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. This was a big deal. We did talk about offensive line after you went back and you watched the tape. Cordell Wilson. I've said it before. I wrote about it. You wrote about him. I think fans should go check it out. I know how fans feel about PFF grades. I know how fans feel about other grades. Cordell Wilson, 0.0 PFF rating. Can Cordell, is there is there any encouragement that you can offer for Cordell Wilson right now? I think it's a nuanced discussion for Cordell Wilson's 0.0 PFF rating. And the first part of this is how PFF grades. They do not at all take into account the difficulty of your assignment or the difficulty of the opponent. So you're facing Aaron Donald. Like, take that into account. <laughs> <laughs> a 0.0 against Aaron Donald is different than a 0.0 against, I don't know, um, some dude. I don't want to trash anybody. Uh, probably because we'll play them and the Bengals will play <laughs> them like and they'll blow up. I still remember before the Jags Thursday night game, I, I said something like, I just don't think LaVisca Snell's a good receiver. And he had his career day. And you know what he's done since? Nothing. But in the Bengals game, he was blowing up, and I was getting dunked on. And I was just like, look, I still don't think he's good, but I am getting slacked for this. So I try not to say that too often anymore because uh, I think it just karma comes to bite you, even if they're not really that good of a player. Um, but just, you know, 0.0 against Aaron Donald, you'll do that to somebody. What is a 0.0 anyway? Why is there a cap on how bad somebody can play? I, this is the 0 to 100 thing that doesn't make that much sense to me. Nobody ever hits 100. A player's hit 0. 0 should be like if I was out there. And it did not – Volson did not look like it was me out there. You know, like, well, I'd probably be leaving on a stretcher by the third play. But <laughs> uh, he didn't look like me. He looked like – you know, he looked like a, an NFL player. I don't think – like 0.0, man. I'm thinking back to like some Billy Price and Michael Jordan games, and I don't think they got zeros, or maybe they did, and I just don't remember it. It wasn't good. I think that's the other part of this is PFF ratings can, you know, they vary, but usually you don't go see a 0.0 and then somebody else is like, well, actually, I thought he was one of the best offensive linemen in the game. It's like, well, you could vary on how bad you think it was, which I think I do, uh, but. I don't think that I, do, I don't think you could call this performance good. Uh, so there's a little bit of nuance with both of that. Now I think the, even to get even more minute on this, I think he needs to do a better job of holding up when he has the help coming because there were multiple plays he lost too quick for Ted Karras to help him, and 
yes, it's still a very difficult assignment to take on Aaron Donald like that. But when you have help coming and you only need to last one and a half seconds, I don't think that's a hard, well, I should say that, um, take that back. I don't think that's an impossible ask. And maybe you don't do well, but I don't think it should be seven pressure type situation, two quarterback hits. I charged both sacks mostly to him. Um, one was a failed stunt pickup, but I think it was more on him than it was Karras because Karras found out about the stunt by a hand to his throat because <laughs> Wilson didn't pass his guy very well uh, and didn't communicate it too well either. So that performance – I think is still worth being concerned over. I think when you think about the optimistic side of everything is one, he looked solid, not perfect, but solid against the other Rams players, including some difficult jobs. And he played pretty well against Jeffrey Simmons in Tennessee last year. So if he has the bounce back game, is it going to be against a guy he played pretty well against last year? Maybe. So that could – it's just too early for me to get too down on Volson. I do think we are at the point where we can be concerned that he's not taking a leap forward, but I also don't think we're at the point where we need to be concerned that he's regressing backward. Yeah, I, I agree. We'll, we'll see what it looks like as, as they keep going on th- throughout the season. It's only three games in right now, and I, like I said before, the season started, and I wanted him to be the breakout player. Unfortunately, it isn't trending that way. It kind of feels like we're going backwards, and you want to hit on this pick. So to be determined, we'll see what it looks like. We're not giving up on Cordell Wilson just yet. We get to our next question over there in the Twitter world. How would you? This is another hot topic when it comes to the safety position because we're getting excited about Dax Hill, but then there's the and but. A lot of people are saying, what does Nick Scott look like out there? And I feel like you're in Nick Scott's corner a little bit. Can you explain? A little bit. A little bit. I I think on Twitter, it ends up looking a little bit more like I'm in his corner than I actually am. I think he's a fine. I I think he's fine. Like, that's where I am. Is like, I, I think he's fine. I think people rag on him. And they get so excited about young guys that they just think like, it can't be worse. It certainly could. It certainly could be worse than what Nick Scott's doing for you. Um, so I, I think he can be out of control sometimes. I think he's still working on communication with this secondary. I think he's still working on being able to play what they need him to. He's the only guy in the secondary that wasn't in the system last year, uh, other than when DJ Turner comes in. But I'm thinking full-time starters for the most part here, Cheeto and Cam Taylor Britt and Mike Hilton and Dax Hill was in this system last year. So he still knows all the checks, everything. I think all of the secondary has had issues with alignment, assignment and communication. Um, I think people really got on Scott about that one deep ball where he was the nearest defender. Yes. And I charge at least probably, I I think I charged 50% in my mind of that play to Scott. But you have to also remember, if you if you saw the full uh, all twenty two of that play, the wide angle, Dax Scott's the single high safety. Dax Scott, Dax Hill is the single high safety, and he gets moved by Stafford's upfield shoulder and eyes to his to his right, Stafford's left, and then Stafford comes back and throws the deep ball over Nick Scott. Scott's supposed to have help there. He is supposed to have help from Dax Hill on that play, and he didn't because Hill got moved by a good quarterback, but he got moved, and he wasn't in a position to recover and make the play. So I charged half of that in my mind to Dax Hill as well. I I think that he's had some plays that aren't ideal, like that one. That's still not an ideal play. He still got beat over the top, 
even if he was expecting help, need to be able to make a play on that still. Uh, but I don't think it's been nearly as bad as like, I, I just feel like some fans just aren't, they just want him to fail. There's a few players that I think some fans, and it's kind of the same fans for the most part, they want them to fail. Miles Murphy, Nick Scott. And then I end up kind of being <laughs> their biggest supporter because I'm like, we should not be rooting for anybody, any of these people to fail. And uh, yeah. I I do end up liking the guys that become kind of the, uh, I feel like fans sometimes get into a mode of anything that's bad is because of these players I don't like. And it's like, yeah. well, your favorite players also like, <laughs> we're not doing the right thing sometimes. And like they were getting beat sometimes and it's not just those guys. Those guys actually at times are playing well. There were a few good reps from Nick Scott this past week. He also had a few bad reps. Yeah. I think, I think it's been up and down. I think it's been up and down, but overall I think he's fine as a starter, which is what I pegged him as coming in. I think it was a cheap signing for a reason, but I think he's a starting level player. Um, I don't think he's been the worst player on the Bengals or anything like that. I think he's. I think he's been fine. And when Jordan Battle came in for him, I thought. I thought Scott was better. And it was. It was few reps. It was not very many reps for Battle. And he's a rookie. But I think I liked what Scott bring more than Battle did in those few reps. And I think people have to remember that. Uh, we've talked about it when it comes to secondary and some of these rookies. Lou doesn't want to put him out there if he doesn't have to. And and I'm fine yeah. with with them rotating Jordan Battle out there. But just because they got Jordan Battle in the draft, they got him pretty early, doesn't mean that he's going to be better than Nick Scott automatically his rookie year. So I think we need right. to have patience with that. And especially and- especially if he's you know like early on, like where we are right now. I, I would not expect Jordan Battle to come in and play better than Nick Scott. Same way I don't expect Dax Hill to come on to the scene and play better than Jesse Bates. Yeah. just And it's actually – they are Nick Scott's in the Jesse Bates role. I think some people get that confused. Um, he's playing more – People do Nick. get that confused. Yeah, he's not doing the Von Bell stuff. And actually nobody's really doing the Von Bell stuff. Uh, Dax Hill's kind of doing his own thing. And then they're letting Nick Scott play a lot of single high and be the deep guy over the top and play that Jesse Bates role a little bit, which he is, he's not Jesse Bates. He isn't. I was one of Jesse Bates' biggest supporters, though, and I think Jesse Bates is an all-pro-level talent. I don't know if everybody thought that towards the end of his tenure here. They certainly did that one year, uh, and he's kind of shown he, he is super talented in Atlanta, so I've I've enjoyed watching him. I haven't watched the All-22 or anything, but I've enjoyed watching him once in a while when the Falcons come on TV. Yeah, 100%, and good for Jesse Bates. Uh, and he's he's getting plenty of turnovers with Atlanta. What are our last and final Twitter question before we get to predictions? Would a change at tight end help the running back? And I want to start with this. Irv Smith, at the moment, is unfortunately dealing with an injury. It's a hamstring, and I don't see him playing on Sunday. He did not practice again this week. He didn't practice last week. That was a topic of conversation before he before regular season even began with Herb Smith. Can he stay healthy? And unfortunately, he isn't healthy right now. We talked about Drew Sample. You get Tanner Hudson out there. I think a lot of fans were big Tanner Hudson people. They wanted him to be on the 53 to begin with. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the tight end group right now? And are you optimistic that it can be better than when it is when Herb Smith is out there? Oh. It's early. It's early. You know, I think that a change of time would help the running game, though. If that is the specific question, Drew Sample will help this running game more than anybody else. Um, and I think some people are thinking like, no, if you spread them out and then they got to cover these four wide receivers, basically, was it's like 
yeah, but then you only have the five offensive linemen to block for you. And if they go six in the box, good luck. Some people consider that a light box, but if you're spread out, that's a heavy box. If if it's six offensive linemen, if it's five offensive linemen in the tight end and you get a six man front, then now we're looking at, you know, that's considered a light box. I think it's tough to find run plays that are five man run plays. That has been a struggle in every spread air raid offense since the beginning of time. And that's why you get some funky stuff in the college level. That's who's usually dealing with these five-man surface run plays is the college level. Um, I think Rich Rodriguez back when he was with Michigan and some of the – usually you can get a quarterback run game going too, and that usually helps a five-man surface because you have the quarterback account for somebody, and now you've got good numbers and get a hat on a hat. Uh, it's hard to get a hat on a hat when you're when you're five offensive linemen, even if it's against five man front, like a four D line one linebacker, three D line two linebacker front. It's it's just tough. You want to have that tight end just for the extra man in this run game. Um, and the every other tight end outside of Drew is a guy that I wouldn't consider a consistent blocker at the first level. Which what I mean by that is I don't. You could ask them to take on defensive ends and get to the linebacker and things like that, but I wouldn't. I don't think they'll do it consistently. And Hayden Hurst actually developed into being solid at that. I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. So maybe one of these guys is able to develop into it. But right now, Drew Sample is the only guy I trust to. We're going to run duo, and you have to single block the end here so that we can get two doubles on the interior. Drew's the only guy that I would go. Okay, yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> uh, the other guys, I'm going. Oh, okay. Can you die slow? Can you die slow on this run play so you don't blow it up? Can you just stay in front of that guy and not get blown into the backfield? Which they've done. They, I think Irv has done an okay job at that. What if we not great, said- but net positive is Drew Sample. The best you're hoping for with the other guys right now in my mind is net neutral, and it's probably going to be net negative. So if you just want to help the run game and you want to protect Joe Burrow that way, put Drew Sample on the field more. Their defenses are already so scared of these three wide receivers that they're going to be giving you light boxes, two high safeties the entire game anyway. Getting more receivers on the field is getting redundant for the Bengals. Where Look, they're doing everything they can to stop deep balls and play too high, so we don't really need more receiving threats uh, to force them to try to even – play more prevent what if we would have said drew sample jonah williams joe mixon they are going to be positives think good things are going to happen if we have patience back in july back in june back all off season when everybody was being really critical of all the position groups when it comes to joe mixon jonah williams and even re-signing drew sample and they've been okay They've been okay for the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, it's kind of wild how all of that works out. And I hope Jonah Williams, Joe Mixon, and Drew Sample continue to be good for this offense. Let's go ahead and give a really quick prediction. We've already previewed the game, but tell me what's going to happen. I think Bengals win. I think the Bengals win. I think the Titans offensive line is the culprit for why. And I don't think the Bengals offense is going to look perfect. But what they did last year was basically throw jump balls to T. Higgins. And now you got Jamar Chase too. I think the offense will be good enough. And I don't think this Titans team is going to be able to – keep up and i don't mean that in a boat race sense because my final prediction score is 21 17 okay i'm going really quick and i do i think t higgins is back in the groove of things he's going to catch the ball they're going to go to t it is t and the titans there's something about him playing in tennessee uh, obviously familiar close to home and i think jamar chase finally gets in the end zone but i am going a very similar score to you i i, I didn't i almost didn't even want to get above 20 but i'm going to go 21 with this offense. And I think um, it's still going to be 16, 
21-16 for the for the Titans. It's gonna be a close game. They're gonna play them pretty tight, but um, three I, field I goals. there's gonna be three field goals. That's just what we're gonna be play dealing the Titans with. kicker. <laughs> there we go. Well, probably uh, not. Yeah, I, I usually go with the idea for fantasy. Like, play a kicker that's gonna score a lot. I don't know if it's touchdowns or field goals, but I want them to score a lot. This is not a game I would play either kicker. No, I honestly, I I wouldn't even be surprised if you told me, Lindsay, nobody gets to 21 points, maybe 20. Yeah, right, if it's 20, 20, 14 or something like that, or even 17, 14, which would be disgusting, Uh, but that could could happen. Over-under set at 40 and a half, and the Titans are two and a half point home dogs. Uh, we both predicted the Bengals to cover that, but probably neither one of us would actually bet that. Uh, no. No, 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 I no. think I'm more likely to bet the under on the spread, 40 and a half. Like, eh, I don't think both teams are scoring 20. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm not at Bengals above 21 right now with their offense. Not so Burrow looks better. Not so Maybe, maybe a defensive touchdown, but uh, but no. Special teams, Chuck Sizzle. No, Chuck Chuck is to be determined. I don't know if he's playing yet. He's, oh, he's right, the thumb. Hand injury. Yeah, he's been dealing with a hand injury, and if he can't go, Trenton Irwin, Trenton Irwin will return the punts. But that's where we're going. We're picking a Bengals win. Hopefully they can get even, very similar to last year's record when you get to week four if they're 2-2, two and two, and uh, hopefully they can bounce back and, and continue to gain some ground in the AFC and just the overall picture. You have plenty of all Bengals. Make sure you go check it out, the Cordell Wilson piece, and you will be hosting a very special breakdown after the game because I will be in Nashville for this game, it's going to be 85 degrees and sunny. Uh, so drink bunches of water if you are there. And that's all I got. <laughs> and don't get in fights, just like Ted Karras said. Yeah, that's, that's right, though. It's been a little wild in the NFL right now. Everyone keep calm, have a good time, and enjoy the game if you're making the trip to Nashville. Thank you, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.